Uh, good morning. My name is Pastor Matt. This is Charity. Say so hi, Charity. Hi, Charity. All right, bye, Charity. It's time for Children's Church. Follow Charity to Children's Church. Uh, so uh, normally I have the opportunity to teach God's Word here, but this morning I get to invite a friend up, Jay Lorette. Jay can come down. Um, some of you know that over the last couple years I've been doing some, tra- some training through our denomination. called pa- The training is called Pathways. And Pathways is trying to equip stateside pastors to better handle God's word and then go overseas and help uh, some of the pastors, many of which are you know, tent makers, working a lot of jobs, and then carrying God's word on Sunday morning. And uh, through this training, I've met Jay, and Jay will tell more about himself, but he works with Transport for Christ, and that means he's a chaplain to semi-truck drivers by day, rodeos by summer, and various other things, Uh, but the reason why I wanted to bring him this Sunday is every time I've got to hear him preach in these trainings, he helps me love Jesus and his word, Mm -hmm. and so I appreciate your ministry to me, and I'm excited for him to minister to you, so let me pray for him, and then uh, we'll take the Lord's Supper together uh, after the sermon. Lord, we are are thankful this morning, uh, not just because it's Thanksgiving weekend, We are thankful for all that the Lord has done for us. As the psalmist uh, said in the psalm that Tony read, we won't, uh, or Daryl read, uh, we don't want to forget the Lord's benefits. He has shown much mercy to us. And one of the great mercies is he has given us uh, the word of God. Uh, There is much insanity and instability in the world, and yet your word gives sanity and stability. There is truth in the midst of darkness. And that truth is going to lead us to a person Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. and we're thankful uh, that Jesus, he lived that life we should have lived. He died the death that we deserved, and in knowing him, we can experience life now and life forever, and so we pray for Jay now as he brings the word, Lord, that he'd uh, hold forth Christ. We could see Christ more beautiful, more glorious, yes. more powerful, more kind, more wise, and that in so doing, as we see him and worship him, we would be made like him. So thank you for this day that we have to worship now through the word and just pray that you would use your servant, Jay, to do your purposes. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. 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 Thank you, Matt. Praise God. Well, it is a privilege and honor for me to be here. Hey, if you have your Bibles, would you please open up to uh, the book of Isaiah? Isaiah chapter 53. And Pastor Matt, I want you to know you've been a blessing and encouragement to my life as well, brother. A real challenge to know the word and to, to rightly divide it. So thank you for your love and your encouragement to me, brother. I was commissioned out uh, and sent out as a missionary evangelist 28 years ago, uh, back in 1990, <clears throat> in a little church, in, uh, it was an evangelical free church in Meriden, Illinois. And I've been a full-time chaplain with Transport for Christ now, uh, I said 28 years, but I've been in Rochelle, Illinois for 26 years. And what the ministry is, we have a semi-tractor and trailer, and the trailer's converted into a, to a chapel. Uh, if you're inside there, you'd think you're inside of a, a church. Uh, my living quarters is there, sometimes I spend a the night there, I sleep there. I've got five of the men to pitch in to help me out. Um, we do a lot of evangelism. A lot of apologetics. We get a lot of people coming in, in the chapel from literally all over the world. 
uh, drivers will get like a six-month visa, and, and they'll come to America to drive truck. And with that, they bring their doctrines. They bring their religions with them. And we've seen some really bizarre stuff that has walked through the chapel doors. And as Pastor Matt has said, your responsibility is mine is to point them to Jesus through the word. Amen? He's our only hope. Hey, this morning, is anybody born again here this morning? You saved? Anybody? Can we give Jesus thanks for that? God? Thank you, Lord. Glory be to God. Yes. Wonderful God. We are so blessed. Uh, but we do nine services a week there. One every night at 7 o'clock. My wife Karen does a ladies' Bible study for the women on Wednesday mornings. Um, and it really is just a privilege to be there. The petrol, they want me there. Uh, they want me ministering. And with the Ministry of Transport for Christ International, especially in America, a lot of the doors and the windows are closing. They really don't want the chaplains or the chapels there. And if they are there, they just barely tolerate them. They say, well, you can stay in your trailer, and, uh, but don't preach nothing about your, your God or the Bible when you come outside the doors. But in Rochelle, it's different. Matt, we've got a board of investors, about 15 of them, and they're born-again Christians. They want me there. So I bring my horse to the truck stop. I ride around the, the, the parking lot with the horse. I get a bullhorn, and I preach the gospel, uh, pass out tracts and Bibles to them. A lot of times, I lose my voice when I'm out in the parking lot because i got to speak up so loud over the, the sound of the big trucks there. But when I'm on my horse, I can ride my horse up and side pass my horse right up to the window, and I'm eyeball to eyeball with them. And, uh, and a lot of the drivers that wouldn't even want to talk to me, literally when they see the horse, they'll literally jump out of their truck and they'll come running and go, hey, get back here. They go, I've seen everything at a truck stop. They go, but what are you doing here with the horse, they said. And then that opens the door. And I said, well, I'm here to share Jesus today. That's why I'm here. And uh, on the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, Isaiah is the author here. He's the mighty prophet. His name means the Lord is salvation. Isaiah is known as the gospel of the Old Testament. I believe that Isaiah speaks more about the deity and paints a vivid picture of salvation and redemption more than any other. Please start with me in verse 1 where it says, Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form, no comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Chapter 53 here, it starts out with a question. It says, who has believed our report? Well, I believe it goes back to the question, back to verses uh, 13 through 15 in uh, chapter 52, where he says, Behold, this is the report, Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled, and shall be very highly exalted. And then in uh, verse 14, For many the servant of God became an object of horror. Many were appalled at him. His face and his body, 
His whole appearance were marred and disfigured beyond human recognition. So shall his blood sprinkle many nations. Isaiah here seems to be sitting at the foot of the cross. He views the Redeemer while he's hung on this cursed tree. After he had been beaten and butchered and battered and marred and nailed there for your sins and for mine. Well, who the arm of the Lord has been revealed to is those of you and I that are born again. Salvation has been revealed, praise God. The righteous right arm of the Lord is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ, our King, our matchless Redeemer. In Isaiah 59 and 16, it says, Therefore his arm brought salvation unto him. Isaiah 63, 5 says, Therefore my own arm brought salvation unto me. Psalm 77, 15 says, Thou hast with thine arm redeemed thy people. You know, ladies and gentlemen, from the beginning, uh, before man even existed, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit somehow got together and decided that Jesus would be the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. He is the Redeemer. Salvation only found in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. From Genesis to Revelation, the Bible is the story of fallen man, how we've broken God's commandments. We've messed up again and again, but it's about a Redeemer. Jesus Christ, the one who came to redeem you and I, to reconcile us, to cleanse us, to heal us, and to forgive us, and to make us godly men and godly women for such a time as this. Jesus is the great physician of our eternal soul. In Luke 5 and 31, Jesus said, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. Jesus said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. In order to be healed, ladies and gentlemen, you must first realize how sick and wounded you really are. This sickness and this wound we have been infected with is sin. If this sickness persists without a cure, we will all surely perish in eternal hell. This sickness is worldwide. No one is exempt from it. Romans 3.10 says, there's none that's righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Today, if you're not saved, you need to repent. Acts 20 and 21 says, repentance towards God and faith in Jesus Christ. Folks, when you and I sin, we do sin against each other, but mainly we sin against a thrice holy God. That's why repentance comes before him first and foremost. And then we anchor our faith exclusively in the person and work of Jesus Christ for his sanctifying power. Jesus said you must be born again. John 3, 3, he said, except you be born again, you came and see the kingdom of heaven. 2 Corinthians 6, 2 says, behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. It's amazing how many people that I'll have the privilege to share the plan of salvation with them, they'll say, you know, preacher, that says, when I die and I stand before God in judgment day, then I'll repent. Then I'll ask for his forgiveness. I said, sir, it's too late then, amen? While we've got breath and a heartbeat now, now is when we have to repent. The Bible teaches in Mark chapter 2 and 10, it says Jesus has the power to forgive sins here on earth now. Now is the time of salvation. I was on the chapel there, it was a Monday evening doing a service, and I was just about done, and a gentleman came walking in by the name of Mike. 
Mike's about 35 years old. He was built like a pit bull. He had about two weeks worth of whiskers on his face. He had double earrings in each ear. And he said, hey, he says, uh, could you use two cases of hamburger? I said, well, I sure could. I said, that'd be nice. I said, let me finish the service here. He said, I'm parked right out there. He said, you can see my lights pointing right at you. So I pulled out to it in my car. I popped the trunk. I jumped out. Mike went to the back of the trailers of the, of the trailer there, the doors. I went back to with him. We both grabbed a case. I threw it in the trunk of the car. I grabbed the Bible. I turned around and says, Mike, I'd like to give you this. He took it. He said, well, thank you. I go, Mike, if you were to die today, I go, where would you spend eternity at? And said, heaven or hell? Mike says, well, I'm doing pretty good, he says, right now. He says, I think I'm all right with God. He said, I go to church. Uh, he said, things are going well with me. He said, my pastor said he's going to marry my partner and I, he says, and in two months we're supposed to get married. And uh, he said, yeah, I, I think I'd go to heaven, he says. He goes, things are going really well. He's actually, so my partner says, he's, he bought a new car, he said, two weeks ago. I go, Mike, did you just say that your partner is a, is a man? He said, that's correct. He said, I'm gay. I said, Mike, I said, do you realize this in the very beginning? I said, if it wasn't Adam and Eve in the garden, if it was Adam and Steve, I said, all of humanity would have died off right then and right there. He said, well, he said, I, I guess you're correct. He said, that probably happened. I said, you know, the Bible teaches that a man should not lay with a man as he does with a woman. I said, this is an abomination. That's what God's word teaches. And as I began to share with him, he's very attentive to what I was saying. And then Pastor Matt, the Holy Spirit, revealed something to me there. And, and I go, Mike, I said, I realized when you were a little boy, I said that somebody hurt you very bad. Somebody that you trust and that you loved. And I said, if you don't forgive that person, you're not going to be able to find forgiveness in your life and freedom as well. So I went again and shared with him. And by then he's starting to cry. And he said he wanted to pray and give his heart to the Lord. I said, well, Micah says, you need to forgive that person who hurt you, and then you need to cry out to Jesus. So we're standing in the parking lot about 9 o'clock at night. All these lights are shining on us. We're on the, on the main exit and entrance coming in and out. We hold hands. We start to pray. And as we did, Mike, he begins to shake. And he just begins to start sobbing and crying. And he says, dear God, he says, forgive my father who did this to me when I was a little boy. And by then, I'm sobbing. I'm crying too. And and as he did that, he began to shake as well and cry out. And he says, dear God, forgive me for my bitterness and for me trying to live life my way. God, come into my life and save me and forgive me and make me a godly man to live for you and honor you. I prayed with Mike, and after I prayed with him, I reached in the back of the trunk. I grabbed another Bible. And I said, Mike, I said, take this back to your friend and give him this and tell him that this marriage, this relationship is done. It's over. It's ended. Tell him you got saved out in the middle of a parking lot at a truck stop. You're a born-again child of God now. That kind of a lifestyle is an abomination, and you want to live for Jesus, I says. And I'd also encourage you, says, to go back to your pastor and say, Pastor, you know, I trusted you as a shepherd over my soul. You are going to marry me and this other gentleman. And the Bible says in the book of Leviticus, 18 and 22, that that's an abomination. Pastor, you're not a pastor. You're a false prophet is what you are. And find you a good Bible-preaching church is what you need to do. Sin is an eternal disease. Cancer can go all the way into the bones. Sin can go all the way into the soul and condemn a man to hell. Revelation 22 says that hell is a lake of fire. It's a bottomless pit. It's a furnace of fire. It's a place of filthiness and sorrows. Hell is a place where the worm dieth not. 
Ladies and gentlemen, I believe that worm is, is man's conscience, his mind, his soul, his intellect, his feelings. I believe that one of the things when a person is in hell that they'll remember they had an opportunity to repent and receive Jesus Christ and they rejected him. That'll come back to them again and again. And not for 500 or 5 million years, but throughout all of eternity, he knows he's there to stay forever and ever. Hell is a place where people do not want their loved ones to go. In Luke 16, how many remember the story of Lazarus and the rich man? And while the rich man was in hell, the Bible said he lifted up his eyes to Father Abraham. And he says, I've got five brothers, Father Abraham. He says, send Lazarus to my brothers to warn them not to come to this place of torments. Father Abraham, he said, he goes, well, he says, they've got the laws and the prophet. If they don't believe them, they won't believe the one resurrected from the dead. Folks, the laws, that's the first five books of the Bible. That's Moses writing to warn you and I that we need a redeemer. The prophets are all there pointing to Jesus Christ as well. Amen? The only means of our hope of salvation. The world today is a law and the prophets. And folks, one did resurrect from the dead. His name is Jesus. And the majority of people still reject the Lord Jesus Christ. They don't want him. What a sad situation that that is. This disease is not curable by you or me or any other person. Ephesians 2 and 8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God. I thank God, ladies and gentlemen, my salvation does not hinge on me. It hinges on the person and work of Jesus Christ. The woman with the issue of blood, she spent everything that she had at the hands of the physicians, but she only grew worse until she met Jesus. Amen? And when she touched the hem of his garment, pow, immediately that woman was made whole, the Bible says. I was preaching in Cook County Jail in Chicago. Cook County Jail is the largest correctional facility in the state of Illinois. It holds way over 10,000 inmates. Did you know you can drive a semi underground? There's road to streets underneath Cook County Jail. You can drive a semi underneath there. A friend of mine, we both had two cases of Bible. We're walking underground at Cook County Jail down these streets, and we come up upon a, a woman's psych ward. As we came up to that ward, I walked up to the guard shack, and I tapped on it a little bit, and I held up the Bibles, and I, I said, the officer says, may we come in here, I says, to, uh, to give these ladies some Bibles and to, to talk with them. The officer looked at me, Pastor Matt, and he kind of chuckled. And he goes, sir, he said, do you realize where you're at? He said, this is a psych ward. He said, you're underground of Cook County Jail, he said. These people are, are, these people are not salvageable. They're a throwaway. There's nothing you can do for them. I said, you're right, officer. There's nothing I can do for them. I said, but that was me just a few years ago. And the grace of God touched me and saved me and healed me and delivered me. And God is not a respect for persons. The jailer goes, well, it's your time if you want to waste your time and go on in there. He says, go on. So folks, as I walk in there, me and my other friend was with me and we gave him Bibles. Here's women over there in the corner just holding their knees and rocking back and forth. Women walking around like this here with, with no hope. People mumbling and just, as I looked at them, I go, God, you saved me. You've touched me in spite of me. Oh, God, please do a work in their life. Begin to minister to these dear women. There's big cement picnic tables there. I got them on top of the cement picnic table, started preaching my heart out. And all of a sudden, these women, not all of them, but several of them, stopped 
the confusion they were in. They were attentive to the word of God. They responded to the word of God with favor. They repented. They pleaded for God's mercy and forgiveness. And Jesus came in and saved them and set those dear women free. Afterwards, the, the guard, he come running in and goes, what's going on in here? I go, oh, officer, this is the power and this is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Officer, you need to repent. You need to be born again as well. Praise God. I thank God for Jesus Christ. Today, many Christians are trying every other method and formula except repentance and surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's what we need. That's what works. In Luke 13 and 3, Jesus said, except you repent, you will all likewise perish. Folks, salvation is made possible in and through the person and work of Jesus Christ. It's only possible through him. Colossians 1.14 says, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Folks, I don't know about you, but the life I lived before I was saved, I didn't know I could be forgiven. And when I begin to read that in Colossians where his mercy and grace, his blood was poured out for something like me to forgive me and to cleanse me, that was good news, amen? There was nothing like it. What a wonderful God. I think of the children uh, of Israel when they were uh, in Egypt for some 400 years in bondage. I, I believe that symbolically Egypt is a picture of this world that you and I live in. I believe that Pharaoh, he's a picture of the devil himself. And I believe those taskmasters and their whip, I believe it's a picture of just demon spirits are just tormenting people day in and, and day out. You remember the story when the Lord spoke to Moses and he said the plague was coming upon Egypt to destroy them. He told the children of Israel, he says, take a lamb. Every time that lamb is spoken about, every time that blood is spoken about, it's Jesus. It's pointing to him and his all-sufficient work, praise God. They said, take that blood and put it on your doorpost, they said. He said, when I see the blood, he said, that death angel, that wrath will pass over you, praise God. In Exodus 12 and 13, he says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. How many believe the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back one day? Amen? He's going to level off the playing field is what he's going to do. Amen? He will smite this earth with a curse. He will judge them. But you know what? Today, if you reject so great a salvation, Hebrews 2 and 3 says, how will you escape? You can't escape. If Jesus Christ is the only means of salvation and you reject that, you're damned forever. I was in Rockford, Illinois in the Hells Angels Clubhouse. And I was there ministering to the, to the folks who were there. They had a band playing, roasting a pig, and they were in godly behavior and stuff. And all of a sudden, into the main gate here came these, these ladies on these motorcycles. There were probably about 12 or 15 of them. And on the back of their, their leathers, it says Lucifer's ladies. They pull in, and they all line up. They get off their bikes, and the Lord told me to go over and start talking to these women. So as I did that, there was one woman there who was very mockish and just mocking the things of God and laughing, belittling the gospel. The leader of this little pack, she said, hey, she says, knock it off. She says, shut up and listen to what the preacher's got to say. She was preaching, we need you here. She said, please don't stop coming here. We might not be ready to receive the Lord today, but we need you here. I kept on sharing with them and stuff and uh, they did not give their heart to the Lord. I got to pray for them for conviction to come upon them. But you know, that one lady kept mocking. About a half hour later, if I walked away, she fired up the old scooter she was on. She pulled out of the, the clubhouse. 
She went down the street about a block, not even that far. She had the green light. And as she began to go through, a pickup truck ran a red light and hit her and chopped her leg off. And that woman bled to death before she got to Rockford Hospital. And the hospital's only two, two miles away. How should we escape if we neglect so great a plan of salvation? Amen? God will not be mocked. Whatsoever man sows, that he will also reap. Jesus said in John 12 and 48, he said, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judges him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him on that last day. Folks, this morning, we don't have to be judged and condemned to hell. Praise God, the price of our eternal souls has been paid in full once and for all. Amen? The great invitation, turn to Isaiah 55. This great invitation here, it still stands true for you and I today. Isaiah 55 and verse 6. says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Folks, God is knocking at our heart's door. Your part now is to respond to that, to seek him, praise God. You know, it's amazing that a lot of times in this whole world, we're seeking after fame and fortune and just things of this world. We're just working overtime at it. But our eternal soul, that's going to go on forever and ever, we're not spending a whole lot of time seeking God in that direction. He says here, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Folks, I don't know what that means to you, but that, that just means so much to me. He will have mercy upon you. Our God will abundantly pardon. That means above and beyond, he'll show mercy and grace to those who cry out to the Lord. Isaiah speaks of Jesus Christ as Emmanuel. That's God with us. If you're born again, God resides inside of you. If you're not born again, he does not. You're on your own. Isaiah says that he is the Messiah, the anointed one. That anointing lives in every born again Bible-believing Christian. He is deliverer. Whatever bondage you might be in, Jesus can and will deliver you. Jesus is known in Isaiah as wonderful. I've never found anyone who could love me like Jesus. Altogether lovely and wonderful and precious. He's the counselor. Folks, nobody can counsel us like Jesus, amen? His counsel is pure, it's holy, it's righteous, it's everything you and I need. He's the mighty God. He ain't no dead guru that a lot of these cults follow after. Our God's alive, amen? He resurrected from the dead. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you and I today. He lives inside of us, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and he's the Prince of Peace. Ladies and gentlemen, this morning, before I was saved, one thing I wanted in my life was peace. I had no peace in my life. I was wandering to and fro, a vagabond and wandering in this whole world, trying to find satisfaction and purpose and peace that can only be found through the Lord Jesus Christ. He's known as the righteous judge. Jesus will righteously judge and damn the ungodly to hell, but for you and I that are born again, we will stand before him as our loving Lord. He'll say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest. Amen? He's known as Redeemer, the one who purchased us with his own blood. He reconciled us back to a right relationship with God the Father. This morning I asked this question. How many would say here this morning, I need to be reconciled to a right relationship with God? How many would say that? We need to surrender our will to the Lord. Let me close with this. Isaiah chapter 1. 
There's no greater invitation found in the Bible than right here. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18. The Lord says, come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Folks, this is the Lord saying, God is saying, come now, amen? Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest for our soul. Our soul is our mind, our will, our intellect, our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions. That's what is troubled in humanity's life. God is calling out and saying, come now. And he says, let us reason. God wants to reason with you, ladies and gentlemen. And that word reason together means let us settle the difference. Or let me make things right is what God is saying. God's saying, you broke my commandments. You're heading for hell. You're found guilty. Let's reason together. God's saying, I'm a holy and a righteous God. I've made a way for you that you can be cleansed, that you can be redeemed and reconciled back to God the Father. In this passage, sin is spoken of as scarlet. Our sins stand out to a holy God like a crimson blood-soaked rag that cries out guilty, condemned. But through the mercy of the cross of Jesus Christ, we can become as pure as the driven white snow. God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The Lord doesn't want to destroy and condemn anyone. He offers full forgiveness and complete pardon to those who surrender their will to the Lord. Admit your error of going your way is wrong. God's way is right. Who here this morning would say, I need to surrender my life to the Lord Jesus Christ, and I need to be born again this morning? Who'd say that's you? Who would say this morning, I'm in sin, you're in bondage, and you can't get out on your own? The deliverer is here, his name is Jesus. He can deliver you and set you free. Christians, I'm talking to you. Is there anybody, any Christians here that you've been in bondage, you couldn't get out, and you found your only hope was through Jesus? Amen. A couple of you, praise God. He is the deliverer, hallelujah. He is the mighty God. Have you ever, have you never had the proper love of a father? Like this gentleman I told you about earlier, Mike. Well, men, we've fallen short, and grandpas, we've fallen short, but I thank God he's the perfect father in every way. The Bible says he's the father to the fatherless. Maybe you're like that little woman with the issue of blood. And you can be a man or a woman, it doesn't matter. The Bible says the life is in the blood. And her life was literally running out on her. She cried out to Jesus and she was touched by his grace and his mercy. Folks, I ask you that question. Who here today would say, I've never truly been born again. And I believe God is calling me to repent and to surrender my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And dear Christian, brother or sister, maybe you say there's some issues in my life that I haven't got the victory, I haven't dealt with, and I need to commit it to the captain of my salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to be at the prayer station after service, and Pastor Matt will be there. Ladies and gentlemen, we want to pray with you. We want to love you and encourage you and to point you to Jesus Christ. Our only hope of salvation and sanctification and deliverance is found in and through him. Lord, I thank you for this precious church here. Lord, I thank you for their attention to your word. And God, I pray for their response 
to Jesus Christ. Father, for those this morning who might not be saved, oh God, I cry out, Father, for them just that they would come before you, Lord, and plead for your rich mercy, and God, ask you to usher in their lives to save them and to, to change them and make them what they ought to be. Lord, just be with the rest of this service here this morning, and Lord, challenge us, encourage us, open the eyes of our understanding. Father, I pray for Pastor Mike and the leadership here and the elders, Lord, that you give them grace and multiply that grace in a rich measure. Help them, Father, as they lead in this particular community, Lord, to love on people and to point them to the great shepherd of our soul, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, in your mighty name we pray. Amen.